Do you think they had Bibles at the Serie A drugs lab? <laughs> they probably hid it in the Bibles. <laughs> then, yeah. Friday, April 13th, 2018, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Molly Quell, contributing editor at Dutch News and podcast celebrity, and with me today are Gordon Derrick, my fellow contributing editor at Dutch News and kilt-wearing window cleaner and windmill enthusiast, and Paul Peters, master student and the world's worst friend. Why am I the world's worst friend? Because when we were in the library, you dodged me and then refused to get me a tea, and then we're a total Oh, jerk. no, 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 no. Oh, that yes. didn't happen. That is 100% no. what happened. Oh, no, 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 no. Fake news. Fake news. You are fake We're only news. one minute into the podcast. <laughs> you, asked, <laughs> you asked me if I were in the library. I said no. In my defense, I wasn't in the library then. Yeah. I came to the library three hours later. I didn't know you were still in the library I was then. like waving at you, sitting in the same seat I always sit in in the coffee star. And then you went you, to the bathroom, and then I oh, said hi to you. You and then shouldn't you were wear camouflage rude. to work, Molly. <laughs> I'm deeply skeptical of the idea that you could not notice Molly exactly. sitting there waiting at you. <laughs> she wasn't talking. As I am a celebrity, <laughs> I am very hard not to notice. Well, I'm sorry, Barbara Streisand. Exactly. So yeah. I went to the uh, I Am Expat Fair last weekend for Dutch News, and we got so much nice reception about the podcast. I mean, people just had so many nice things to say. And then this couple asked for my autograph. Oh, it's a couple now. It was a couple. Oh. Well, the, it was the gentleman of the couple, but they together were very excited. So they were they were speaking to one of our other colleagues who was there. So I kind of turned to see if you know my our other colleague needed you know anything. The or if they had yeah. And uh, I said something, and they were like, "Are you Molly?" And I was like, "Yes." And they were like, "Oh my God, you're on the podcast! Can we have your autograph?" And I was like, "Sure." <laughs> they recognized your voice. They recognized uh, my voice. How can yeah. you not recognize your yeah. voice? So we, exactly. Yeah, so, Gordon, your job title this week is the most ridiculous thing I've yes, ever heard. Yes, I, I don't know how it came about. My windows really need to be cleaned. Do if they? You're going to clean them with a the kilt. I'll, 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 I'll come right. down my kilt, but I, I do charge a fee. It's, it's extra for the. Kilt. I would expect as much. Is that yeah. underwear? Out of curiosity, exactly. Is there an extra extra fee for like cleaning with and or without underwear? We'll have to negotiate. That. Okay. There's a company in Canada who apparently are hiring in Scotland for window cleaners in kilts. I don't know why they can't just send the kilts over to Canada, Canada and get the Canadians to wear them, but... Because then they don't done. have the, the, a Scottish accent, which that's is true. like probably yeah. three-fourths of the fantasy But, but, then, the but then neither do I, so... You know, <laughs> <laughs> They're um, not hiring you, Gordon. <laughs> this is the thing I saw on Facebook. There is a company in Canada that wants Scots in kilts to go and clean their windows. So there, if journalism like in the Netherlands thing. does not work it out for you, you out. have a backup plan. There are other opportunities out there, which yeah. is nice to know. And you're also a windmill enthusiast. Well, I, I just like the windmill that's um, up at where my son started. You described it as your favourite windmill It is my favourite. Uh, Nobody have a fa- has a favourite windmill. Everyone should have a favourite uh, okay. windmill. Did Paul, you? do you not have a favourite windmill? No, I don't. Do you? Uh, I Yeah, there's a cute little windmill here in Delft, so that will yeah. be my favourite windmill. There's another one just up the road. Yeah. Yeah, I like that one. But yeah. there's one second, I like. <laughs> it's second second my, my second favourite windmill. Second favorite windmill. Yeah, my yeah. backup windmill. My, yeah. the, the, this one is just my, um, where my son goes. Um, he's in the Sea Scouts, and he, they go up sailing, and the season's just started. So it was my first chance to hang out by my favourite windmill, which is called the Botermolen, and it's up oh. by um, Leiderdorp, and it's quite famous. Um, it's a very old windmill. It's got a nice sort of green door. And it's also interesting because it's actually, when you look at it, you, the water, the kind of the big wide canal that goes down to Leiden, is actually above the level of the mill because when they drained the land, the, the, the land actually sank so that the fields and the channels are actually below the sort of natural water level. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Huh. 
That's well, let's cool. so you can actually see Dutch drainage at work. Yeah, there you go. That, uh... As of right now, I have decided that every week we need to do the OPEF of the week. So Paul has been <laughs> tweeting the OPEF of the day since the beginning of the year. And yeah. there's a lot of really great OPEF in this Twitter thread. But we have some OPEF of the week. So Paul, will you please tell us about the OPEF this week? Well, there is this MP in the Tweede Kamer. His name is Peter Quint, and he loves... Uh, he's I a socialist, right? He's a socialist, yeah, for, of the Socialist Party, and he loves, what was it, death metal or something? Yeah. Mm. And he, he's always dressed very casually. Yeah. So as of, I think it was uh, somewhere this week, he was uh, standing in the debate, and he was wearing this V-neck. <laughs> so you could see his uh, tribal tattoo uh, uh, on his arm. And then the chair of the Tweede Kamer, Kadia Ariep, asked him, Mr. Quint, where's your jacket? And then he replied... I'm wondering that myself too. <laughs> My dry cleaner is very slow. <laughs> yeah, but some people think you should be dressed uh, representatively in the Tweede Kamer and other people don't really mind. Yeah, that. So really matter. That was the OPEF of the week. I like that OPEF yeah. of this week. Yeah. This week we're going to talk about the latest Slate Vet news, why a road in Friesland has whistled its last tune, and how housing prices are totally bonkers. In our discussion, we're going to do a deep dive into the Dutch drug underworld. As we'll hear later in the show, politicians, including the Christian Democrat Justice Minister, are increasingly worried about the amount of drugs being produced in the Netherlands. One Christian Democrat politician who knows all about the subject is a former treasurer of the party, who was jailed this week for helping to run the biggest drugs lab ever found in the Netherlands. If you're going to do it, go big, <laughs> Yeah, right? exactly, yeah. yeah. The Dutch answer to Walter White is Wim van der Pey, who had a shed on his farm in North Brabant, which had all the equipment to produce 150 kilograms of ecstasy and 100 kilos of amphetamine paste a day. Daily turnover was calculated at 10 million euros. In court, van der Pey said he didn't know what was going on in the shed. He'd rented it to a young man whose full name he didn't know, and probably the worst excuse of all, he didn't have any paperwork for it. There was no Bonnicher? <laughs> have we learned nothing in no, this country? This is obviously the bit where he's lying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and a, a Dutch politician who doesn't keep his receipts. Yeah, no. come it's, on. It's never happened. No. Yeah. This is a lie. Yeah. The prosecution asked the court to sentence him to five years in prison. The court jailed him for a year on the basis that he must have known something was going on. Because he didn't have the proper receipts <laughs> for the shed, I'm sure. Yeah. That's what he got jailed for. Yeah, but Paul, uh, as our resident Brabander, why does the name Brabant keep coming up in stories of corruption, drug production, uh, intimidation, and uh, biker gangs and all the rest of it? Limburg too, I'd That's like true. to point out. Uh, yeah, I, I think it has to do with, uh, you have a lot of agricultural areas there, a lot of farms. You have a lot of sheds that are quite remote. You have probably a, an abandoned farm or, I don't know, a shed that's that's been uh, rented yeah. by a... Uh, an unnamed a, a, an, an anonymous man. young man. He's just rented a shed to somebody. He hadn't actually bothered to take his name. Doesn't really seem to care if he gets the rent for it or not. Exactly. Yeah. And it's close to the border. So it's close yeah, to Belgium. Exactly. It's uh, also close to France. Yeah. It's uh, Germany. Uh, Germany as well. Yeah. And you can get to Zeeland quickly as well and get to, get to the and port. And get a ship. Yeah, 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 but it's located between Rotterdam and Antwerp as well. Uh, yeah. Um, so in, indeed, it's located logistically uh, yeah. ideal, ideal. So uh, yeah. that's why you have all these drug labs in uh, in Brabant, and also a lot of uh, uh, drug waste, uh, chemical waste that's uh, been dumped in national parks, for example. So yeah, that's the real uh, problem, isn't it? They keep finding problem, these yeah. dumps of, uh, of of chemical like drums and uh, bits of yeah. paraphernalia. And if you if you produce what is it, 100, 250 yeah. kilograms of drugs a day, then you have a it's lot of waste, and you can't get rid of that in the in the legal way. So you have to yeah. do something. 
And that's also where the corruption comes from, because you go to some politician or someone else who can help you with that. And also, as we've established, the entirety of Brabant is run by like a Sopranos episode, as we've yes, talked about previously yes, yes. on the podcast. It, it, it's probably a good Netflix pitch, I yeah, guess. I yeah, I think so. Win from the pay. Junk the day, city our politician. Breaking Breda. Breaking Breda. <laughs> Do you think if Netflix did this, they would make all the drug lords wear wooden clogs, like as cultural yeah, stereotyping? Yeah, probably they'll they would, do. They would yeah. eat like a lot I, of horror. They wear those flat caps and I smoke yeah. pipes. I remember well. they shot a scene of Homeland in the Netherlands, or, it's, it, or no, it was designated survivor. It, it was located in Amsterdam and uh, you know we are Dutch so we hear what the people that are supposed to talk Dutch what they're actually saying and it wasn't Dutch yeah. mm. it wasn't also German it wasn't, all, it wasn't also Swedish uh, it was some weird mix of that interesting so, yeah so uh, if Netflix is going to do a series here in the Netherlands then they should hire or Dutch s- people yeah or <laughs> Scottish guilt wearing uh, window right cleaners, no cleaners. <laughs> uh, or Dutch people yeah If you're planning to buy a house or a, a shed in which you can make ecstasy and amphetamines, <laughs> you're going to pay way too much in this country. House prices in the Netherlands are set to soar a further 8% this year as the squeeze on the supply side continues, according to economists at Abian Amro Bank. Average house prices are now approaching the level reached before the economic crisis hit in 2008, the bank said. That level was surpassed in Amsterdam and other popular places last year. Unsurprisingly, then, 65% of young people who want to buy their first house expect that they will need financial support from their parents, according to price comparison website Independer. Amongst those who bought in the past five years, only 36% needed extra cash from the bank of mom and dad. So how's your house mover going? What's the latest, Molly? For the most part, it seems to be going fine. Our mortgage was approved and we're now sort of negotiating about some last little things with the sellers. But I think maybe by next week we'll have like signed the final contract. So yeah. let's, all, let's all hope that this goes well. And no. do you feel like you've paid a fair, reasonable price? I mean, it does feel like it's like slightly on the high side. Um, we tried to be very careful and, and only buy like a, a house that we're fairly feel fairly confident we will be able to sell eventually in the future. Mm. Um, but yeah, you sort of know that you're paying a bit of a premium and that prices are going to go down at some point so yeah. you know we we are aware of this and are going to be a little more extra aggressive in paying off the mortgage principal so we don't get underwater on the mortgage and yeah. the most important question yes. is there a podcast studio there will in fact be a podcast studio in the new house this is a bit of a point of discussion right now what i would like to have is like more like space for the master bedroom so that we could put like a little reading nook in and like four thousand plants um <laughs> So that's that's sort of where we're at. But yes, there will be space for the Dutch News podcast recording studio. Uh, and my lovely boyfriend, Niels, has some plans about making it a little more professional with some sound paneling and uh, and some more space for us. Has so. he started designing it already? He's He's been working on designs already. <laughs> Great. Um, so he first he has to design my, my mini library that's going in front of the house. And then he can work on the podcast studio. And are you in the 36% of people who've had to borrow from your parents to buy your house? Well, that was 36% was in the last five years. It's now 65% of yeah. people who are borrowing. Oh, really? And we are not. We had enough of our own savings to cover it. So that was uh, that was nice. It's a little unclear like how we're going to stand with renovation work and stuff. But so far, we have not needed to borrow money from the bank of mom and dad. But to put it in context, I mean, the prices are still... At or not quite at the level they were 10 years ago. Yeah. So there's a lot of panic going on saying there's not enough houses and it's gonna, you know, the price is going to go through the roof. But yeah. it all seems a bit premature. I mean, I think that like what's fueling this is, is that mortgage rates are extremely low right mm. now. So we, I mean, I, I think we are going to end up, I mean, our the estimate that we got for our mortgage rate was like 2.4% for a 20-year fixed rate mortgage, which is like historically low. Mm. Um, other people that we know that have bought maybe even five or 10 years ago were at like six, 7%, right? So, I mean, 
the market is just encouraging people to to buy. I mean, there's yes. just no reason to not do it now because you know that at some point, I mean, they can't go any lower, so they know they're only going to go up. So I think that that is contributing a lot to it. I, I do think there was a, when we got our mortgage report, there was like this extensive page and a half warning about how like basically you can't have a crazy mortgage anymore. So here's like crazy mortgage things that used to be legal, like, you know, borrowing 120% yeah. of the home's value and all this stuff that you like it is no longer legal. So, you know, the at least from the mortgage perspective, it's pretty just boring mortgage. Like, you know, you, you can borrow some money. You can lock in your interest rate for a longer or shorter period of time. Those are pretty much your only <laughs> options. Yeah. So that, that I think, makes it f- seem to me like this situation, although housing prices are on the rise, that it's not that it's <coughs> not like the 2008 situation where, like, you yeah. have a lot of people who are going to be, like, in way over their heads. A majority in the Tweede Kamer is satisfied with Interior Minister Kasia Olongren's changes to the law on intelligence services that was rejected in the non-binding advisory referendum on March 21st. This law expanded the powers and capabilities of the intelligence agencies and was dubbed the Sleepnet or Dragnet law by opponents. Following the no vote, the law was referred back to the cabinet, which had to reconsider it, resulting in the six concessions to the no camp, including more guarantees on information exchanges with foreign services and an explicit statement that tapping should be as closely targeted as possible. The minister says these are substantial changes. Uh, are all, all the opponents satisfied now? Uh, well, it depends uh, not, on... The... Not Terry Baudet. No, not Terry Baudet. No. depends on who you ask. In addition to coalition parties VVD, CDA, D66 and ChristenUnie, opposition parties GroenLinks, PvdA and SGP also agreed with the changes. The rest of the opposition were less happy. BVV MP Martin Bosma said the changes are weak and Forum for Democratie leader Thierry Baudet now hopes the Eerste Kamer will block the law and calls on senators to vote against the amendments. Privacy organizations such as Amnesty International and Bits of Freedom are not happy. They call the amendments weak and cosmetic. Um, however, Olongren had to admit she thought the changes to the law are an improvement to the old one, um, even though in a campaign she had said uh, many times that she thought the law had to be implemented unchanged and as soon as possible. So that's a bit of... That's an awkward position It's a bit of a change of uh, tone, isn't it? Change of tone, yeah. Uh, She also admitted she thought the referendum had worked perfectly well and that she's uh, happy uh, with how everything uh, turned out, uh, which put her in another awkward position (laughs) because she is also responsible for scrapping the law that makes the referendums possible. So, D66 proposed an advisory referendum which, um, when they're in opposition, which was uh, passed as a law, and then when they went into government, they decided because referendum they had went against Deza Zestuch that they didn't want it anymore. Um, so they've now, Deza Zestuch minister has said, I'm going to, uh, been given the task of repealing the law, but now says, actually, you know what, the referendums, they work quite well. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's exactly what happens. Honestly, the Bonnage's affair is easier to keep track of than all this referendum that's nonsense. True. That's true. It was a bad week for art in the Netherlands. First, a visitor shattered a work by American artist Jeff Koons this week. The Gazing Ball was a meticulous copy of an altarpiece by the 16th century Italian artist Pietro Perugino, Madonna and Child with Four Saints, offset by a blue glass ball. Kuhn said the purpose of the ball was to transform the work into a three-dimensional interactive experience. One visitor got a little too interactive when he reached out to touch the ball, and then it shattered. There was no evidence of malicious intent, and fortunately, it was the last day of the exhibition. Villages in the province of Friesland have also been having some art-related issues, this time of the music variety. 
A small stretch of road, which plays part of the Frisian national anthem when cars drive over it, is driving locals in the village of Yelsum mad. Officials thought the musical road would fit in well with Leowarda being the European capital of culture in 2018 and would have an impact on road safety, as motorists who drove too fast would slow down to fit the tune. Officials have bowed to public pressure and will close off the musical edge of the road on Tuesday evening, so they have done this already, and then they will take it away permanently. Although I would still rather listen to the um, Frisian National Anthem of 24 hours straight than uh, most of Dutch radio stations. <laughs> I think I'm going to install in front of your house a musical road that only plays Dire Straits, Gordon. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> In sport, the Dutch football team took a giant step towards qualifying for the World Cup. Wait a second, Gordon. You mean to tell me that that they're hopeless? Uh, no, th- this is the women's team. Oh, 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 so they're going to do quite well then. Yeah, a very different kettle of fish. They're, they're, the, they're the reigning European champions, having won the tournament at home last summer. Yes, I enjoy you uh, mansplaining women's sports to me. Please yeah, continue. Th- thanks for stealing my joke. You're welcome. The Lionesses emerged victorious from a top-of-the-table clash with Ireland in Dublin, thanks to a header from Lynette Berestein and a penalty dispatched by Sherida Spitz after Daniela van Donk was fouled. After beating Northern Ireland 7-0 earlier in the week, the Netherlands now have a three-point lead at the top of their qualifying group with three matches to play. Uh... Sharita Spitz, her name like literally means uh, striker. Yeah, great case of nominative determinism. Uh, Maybe there should be... um, This country is so weird. I think it should do this for the whole team. The goalkeeper should just be called Doolfrau. And the team's lawyer should be called Advocaat. Advocaat. (laughs) And uh, Max Verstappen is also going to uh, race this weekend. Yes, Max Verstappen, the great Dutch hope in Formula One, is uh, driving in the Chinese Grand Prix and hoping he'll last a bit longer than he did in the Bahrain Grand Prix two weeks ago when he collided with Lewis Hamilton earlier in the race and he had to drop out. Everyone pretty much agreed it was Max's fault, except for Max, who was left <laughs> fuming that the Stuarts um, didn't do anything against Hamilton. Hamilton, for his part, was uh, caught on camera calling for Stappen a dickhead. Um, later on, he said, I went through that stuff when I was younger, so I know how it is, and it's easy to get ahead of yourself and forget to respect the other guys that you're racing against. Um, they have uh, since, I think, uh, had a meeting and made up, but uh, look out for more passive-aggressive uh, Formula One uh, exchanges this weekend. National Park de Aldefane in Friesland is the setting of a real soap opera. Last year, two sea eagles had built a nest in the national park. Expecting the mighty birds to return this year after their winter holidays, rangers had installed a webcam next to the nest. The birds did return, but they decided to move into a next-door nest that was previously owned by two hawks. When these hawks returned and found their nest occupied, they just moved in the empty nest of the sea eagles. All seems fine now, but all of a sudden the sea eagles don't seem very happy with the nest and are now stalking, bullying and scaring off the hawks, which is all broadcast by the webcam, which is watched online by ten thousands of people. Do you, e- think, uh, do you think that the problem is, is that nest prices have gone so, <laughs> so much in the Netherlands that they can't afford to they, move? They start cracking the, uh, the, yeah, uh, all the re- They didn't the get a good deal on their mortgage. No, uh, we told they can't so. build, an, build an extension. The eagles often come and pay an unexpected visit to their old nest, where the hawks have now laid already four eggs. The four eggs currently have survived the eagles' attacks, but will the hawks be able to raise their children, or will the sea eagles succeed in eating their eggs? Will the eagles and the hawks ever be friends? Next week on the uh, ride Raptor. Yeah, we will put a link to the uh, to the link to, of the webcam uh, so you can uh, watch uh, the eagles and the hawks fight all day yeah. if you yeah. want. We'll be discussing the war on drugs in the Netherlands after this word from our sponsors. 
Access is an independent, not-for-profit organization which has been helping internationals successfully settle in the Netherlands for the past 30 years. Access is run entirely by a team of highly skilled, motivated and professional volunteers who have themselves been experts. Their vision is to provide essential, comprehensive and unique services nationally through the expertise and experience of their volunteer expatriate community. You can find out more about Access and the services they offer at the website www.access-nl.org. If you are interested in reaching an international audience with your product or service, you can email to podcast at dutchnews.nl for our competitive advertising rates. Molly. Hmm. Paul. What um, happened? Our fuck, this, this has been like the worst week. It's so awful. How come? Oh, uh, because everything is going wrong in my life, and then we accidentally deleted somehow the discussion part of this podcast. Yes, which is very sad. It is extremely sad. It was a really good discussion. Yes. I did so much <laughs> research for this discussion. <laughs> yeah. Actually, maybe we're just going to rehab this discussion next week. Because rehab this discussion. We're going to rehab yeah. this discussion. I may be in rehab by the time we get to the <laughs> podcast next <Yeah>. week. <laughs> yes, we were planning to have a discussion, or actually we recorded a discussion on uh, uh, the drugs problems in the Netherlands or whether or not there are drugs problems in the Netherlands Uh, but somehow the recording got uh, lost and uh, as we are editing the podcast now um, we are crying and we are in I read a 700 page Trimbos report (laughs) on drugs use in the Netherlands yes yes Molly Molly printed printed us a a, a 500 page document there were graphs graphs we have graphs we have graphs and, and tables and statistics and data but unfortunately, um, we can't. Uh, sh- we, we we did a we did a rehearsal for next week. I'm going to the bar. Goodbye. <laughs> Molly is going to the bar now. <laughs> unfortunately, we don't have a discussion for you uh, this week, but um, we will be back next week, I guess, <laughs> with something. <laughs> with something, we don't know. Short podcast this week. Yeah.